0: Hello. Good evening. Welcome to 2 a b or not 2A2B. Uh, this evening we're going to... Uh, apology for our last few episodes. The sound Ooh. quality was terrible. We may well re-record them at some point. Um, ovaries and adnexa. we're doing this evening. Tell me about ovarian blood supply. <laughs> 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 the ovarian blood supply, <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> comes either directly off the aorta yeah. or the renal artery on the left, left side yeah always i think it always comes from so the, on the on right the right side yeah yeah and yeah in terms of the venous is it the same on the left it's renal uh, right the renal vein, the vein yeah. yeah and on the right it's i think it goes straight into the ivc yeah. yeah i think so um having learned that that's the ovarian artery yeah uh, something quite important to know is that there's actually a dual blood supply to the ovary so the ovarian artery comes directly off the aorta to supply the lateral aspect of the ovary. Mm-hmm. So it comes down yeah. onto yeah. the side. And then a branch of the uterine artery does come from the internal iliacs, as you told me earlier, <laughs> uh, to supply the medial aspect of the ovary. Yeah. That's quite important for torsion because it's not, the ovary is not a testicle. Yes. I remember yeah. That. Remember that? Yeah. Exactly. That's in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's got that dual blood supply. yeah Okay. So even if you don't see if you see a supply it doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's not torted. Yeah. Exactly. Um lovely. Tell me about essentially pain and ovary equals torsion, torsion like until like proven surgically. Yeah. Uh which is quite useful to know for on When I'm looking at something. I'm yeah yeah when I they're like just, can you do this you know, quick know, ultrasound and you're like no because it's not going to be diagnostic. No, but no it's interesting. That. No one says that today, right? Okay. Tell me about um, cyclical changes in the ovaries. Okay, so I think start like, at the beginning. Yeah, born I presume quite small. Um, cyclical period oh, related. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, um. Oh, so so day. Tell me about day five to seven. So defi- day five to seven, I'd say small. I think they stay the same sort of volume. Oh. I mean. If you had an What's ultrasound probe the on them, what might be going on? Might... Well, just follicles. I'd Lovely. Say, day five to seven. How many? Um, Less than 20. <laughs> I've got multiple written here. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying. I what know, what I like that. It's like PCOS or, PCOS or whatever. Yeah. Which Facebook exactly. says 10, but in the UK now it's 20. Huh. That's very interesting. Changed, yeah. um, so, multiple follicles become apparent day five to seven. Yeah. Day eight to 13. So that's then your ovulation. Yeah, so yeah. you're getting towards ovulation. Yeah. So one or more dominant follicles, follicles. come yeah. up, and then mm-hmm. four or five days before ovulation, the dominant follicle grows. Wait, wait. What have you said? Day eight to eight to thirteen. Oh yeah, and then fourteen is ovulation. Fourteen yeah, is ovulation. Yeah. So a few days, like 14. in that eight to thirteen yeah. period, mm-hmm. and one of the the dominant follicle grows approximately two to three millimeters a day. Uh, The maximum diameter of the dominant follicle is about how many Uh, centimetres? It's quite big. Yeah, two centimetres. Uh, And then the day prior to ovulation, so at day 13, you get a hypoechoic ring around the dominant follicle, and that's the granulosa layer separating from the theca. Is that when it becomes the corpus luteum or not yet? Uh, After you ovulate, it becomes the corpus luteum, I think. We'll come to that. So day (laughs) 14. So day 14... You get a high rim, yeah. And then, sorry, that was day thirteen. Oh, sorry. And then day fourteen, you get ovulation. So you're gonna, that's gonna burst and like deliver an egg. Yeah. And essentially, that's when you get your corpus luteum. So luteum after. It, uh, let me just read this. Yeah. It, it's pedantic. Um, ovulation physiological bleeding occurs into the follicle at the time of ovulation. Yeah. At which point the follicle, follicle is called the corpus hemorrhagicum. Okay. After ovulation, the corpus hemorrhagicum becomes the corpus luteum. Yes. Yeah, so so there's far- like a yeah the... follicle corpus hemorrhagicum corpus it's luteum. luteum. Yeah. yeah. And can you just remind me, sorry, just pre-ovulation, mm. how it looks? It's got a hypoechoic ring. So that's one day prior to ovulation. Yeah. So just before and, ovulation, and... you've got a hypoechoic ring around the dominant follicle. about granular? So that is the hypomechoic ring, is the granulosa layer okay. separating from the theca. Okay. And that is just, do you remember when we did, like back at medical school, mm. the like different layers of the follicle? It's just two of the different yeah. layers Separate. separating. We don't need to know that. Great. Um Day 15 to 20. Yeah. So you've got the corpus luteum. Yeah. And it retains fluid for the sort of five or four or five What's days. Tell about the corpus luteum one the <laughs> it has a classic use Ring of Fire. Yes. Which enhances avidly. What else has a ring of fire? Uh gynae. Um don't tell me. Don't, can't remember. Ectopic pregnancy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's why you have to try and differentiate them. Yeah. Whether it moves away with the ovary. Yeah, whether it's t- in or out of the ovary. Yeah, exactly. and the irresistive Yes! Thank you. Uh, so we'll come to that. So, corpus luteum retains fluid for the, the next four or five days to reach a maximal size of approximately how many centimetres? centimetres? Oh, sorry. Is that the question you asked me earlier? Uh, this, this one's, question. it can be bigger, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, three centimetres. <laughs> so, your dominant follicle can be two centimetres. A corpus luteum can be about three centimetres, yeah. um, which I think is mad. Like, that is quite big. Anyway, yeah. uh, day 20 to 28. Um, so, then I like, think then just returns back to normal. Yeah. So the corpus luteum involutes to become the corpus albicans, which can't be seen on ultrasound. Great. But what might happen? What is the point of having periods? Getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if the egg is fertilised... If it... pregnancy occurs, yeah. Yeah. What happens? Um, what happens to your egg mm. Oh. Um, surely, do they not involute? Because then you're not going to get pregnant. Yet. So the corpus luteum yeah do you remember before it's like the baby's made its placenta and stuff yeah. the corpus luteum develops like it secretes hcg to like promote pregnancy yeah. and stop yeah. the um, endometrium shedding yeah. so the corpus luteum develops into gland secreting h s hcg so you can get a prominent corpus luteum wow. and that can be mistaken for an ectopic pregnancy due to a similar appearance However, an ectopic pregnancy will only very, very rarely be in the ovary. That's yeah. how you distinguish between yeah. two, but we'll come back to more of those. Um, lovely, that's all I really wanted to tell you. Uh, some other little top tips before we start talking about yeah. exciting things. Um, when would you biopsy an ovary? Is that a trick question? Yeah, it is a trick question. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Um, No, you never biopsy or recommend biopsy of an ovary. Yeah, It's not necessary. Um, Beep, 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 beep. Hang on, let me just read that. Let me just check. Um, Yeah, that's just about... um, What should a normal ovary volume be? Oh, I know in a Mm postmenopausal, six mils is Mm key. Mm Mm-hmm. Really nice. And in a pre, it's going to be much
1: bigger. Yeah. So it's
0: going to be something like twenty. Exactly. So it says here, um, normals considered up to fifteen. Some say twenty in premenopausal, yeah. postmenopausal, not larger than six cc milliliters. You know, I know. I know that upsets you. <laughs> Have I already that? Yeah, you've already told me that. <laughs> um, and then there's something called a cumulus oophorus. Do you know what that is? No. Um, it's a little piece of anatomy trivia. Yeah. It's course. a collection of cells in a mature dominant follicle that produces, that protrudes into the follicular cavity and it signals imminent ovulation. Its absence means nothing. So it's just in case you see so that what, little... does like, that mean that follicular, dominant folliculus is just going to become the corpus luteum? So it means, it's like, it's one. about to pop. Yeah, so surely that's It's about one. to ovulate. Yeah, well, because yeah. well, you can have more than one that ovulates, can't you? Yeah, yeah that's true. I think we're about to sneeze. No,
1: but no. that's weird
0: because whenever I see scans, you only ever see one corpus luteum. Wait, they, it's not... Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> um, It's not super common uh, to okay. have two ovulations, okay. but it can it happen. Can happen yeah, 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 yeah. So it doesn't, you could yeah. see two with two cumulus is it What Was that me? What? They alternate. i don't know why i think that because i've been told that but i'm like that could just so be me yeah i don't know i'd assume so it would make sense yeah okay. um tell me about um what clomiphene does to the ovaries um so clomiphene is to, for people with infertility issues mm-hmm. so it's going to overstimulate them so you're probably going to have quite a lot of dominant follicles yeah um, and you're going to ask me what can be an issue you can get like over hyperstimulation syndrome. You can, syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hyperstimulation. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, so uh, clomiphene can, so it forces, and also called clomid, I think that would be a fair question to have either of those yeah. names in there, Um. forces the maturation of multiple bilateral ovarian cysts. It is not uncommon for these women to have multiple follicles measuring more than 20 millimetres by mid-cycle. So 20 great big millimeters. 20 millimetres. Yeah, so two centimeters, as we said, was normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's naughty that they change, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you can also get something called a theca lutein cyst. Uh-huh. This is a type of functional cyst related to overstimulation. Yeah, um, and you see large cysts, two to three centimeters, yeah. and the ovary can get this. It's um, classically a spoke wheel appearance. Oh, yes, yes, Yeah, yes. and that can make you think of three things. Okay. Um, so your three differentials for this spoke wheel and it's one cyst that has a spoke wheel appearance is that right no i think it's multiple lutein yeah. cysts together in the ovary okay. so they all squash together Fine. Fine. and like the ovarian stromas, yeah. kind of the, the cog wheel the uh between spoke wheels yeah between it um and that makes you think about three things three things cause multiple the- lutein cysts okay. one is multi-fetal pregnancy okay. so you've got loads of hcg going on yeah um the other is gestational trophoblastic disease. Yeah. So like moles, again, yeah. loads yeah. of beta-HCG. Yeah. And then the other is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. But multiple, when it's saying multiple, does that mean that it's going to be twin? Multifetal means twins, yeah. yeah. So or it you say multi-fetal? multifetal? Pregnancy. Oh, yeah. So like what it's saying, is it? You've just got loads of anything that gives you too much beta-HCG. Yeah, because you've got more than one. You're okay. going to get all of these like yeah. Yeah. cysts. Um, And then, as we touched on, ovarian hyperstimulation syndromes, complication associated with fertility therapy. How many women taking fertility therapy are going to get OHS? Not many. 5%. It's quite a lot, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It says here they will show you the ovaries with theca, lutein cysts, so you get that spoke wheel appearance in the ovaries. Then they'll show you ascites and pleural effusions, and they might also have pericardial effusions. Why do we worry about women having it? Why? Pericardial and anxiety. It's not good. <laughs> Why? I don't know what you want me to say. Hypovolemic shock because oh, you yeah. third spacing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other big risk is that you can tort those ovaries because they're so big, big that they're going to taut. Yeah. And with a woman with fertility issues, the last thing you, you want, want to do to is off. knock off one of her ovaries. Yeah. Very nice. Um... I think we touched on this before, mm-hmm. but let's go over it again. You were trying to tell me before I asked you about the cyclical changes yeah. about like over a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Tell me premenstrual. What, do an, what does an ovary look like? Yeah. Until what sort of age? Well, menarche, I think. mm A little bit before, eight yeah. or nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and the ovaries can contain small follicles. So that's okay. Yeah. So little, Even at that age. Yeah, that's okay. absolutely fine. Premenopausal. There's a bit of trivia here. I don't know how you're going to guess it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how can I make this sound, make this guessable? Um, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> um, so pre-menopausal ovaries can be hot on PET depending on what point of the menstrual cycle. And that's why in a pre-menopausal you woman, do a you do a PET in the first week of the menstrual okay. cycle. Because otherwise, it's going to be bright. It's going to be bright, and you're going to be like, "Oh my god, they've got bilateral." in a ovarian. postmenopausal or a postmenarche woman, I mean, were you, did you say premenopausal? Or pre-men- this is premenopausal. Menopausal, yeah. So in a postmenopausal woman, if they're bright, it's abnormal. Yes, I don't know about a like earlier than premenopausal, if that makes sense. Because you said oh, like yeah, 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 I don't know yeah. what they look like yeah. then, but premenopausal. Yeah. Hot can be not necessarily, yeah. but can be hot on pet, and then postmenopausal, yeah. postmenopausal um, ovaries should not be hot on pet. But there's lots of other things that are hot, which is confusing. I think. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, do you know how like, your bladder like, can be always? Oh yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. That? I think possibly uterus. Okay. I don't know. So something to look, look at. pay attention yeah, to, yeah. um. So, postmenopausal considered. An ovary is considered abnormal if it exceeds the upper limit of normal or is twice the size of the other ovary, okay. even if there's no so mass present. If it's present. more than six males, yeah. or if it's twice the size of the or other Or side. if the other one's two and that one's five, it's <clears throat> abnormal. <clears throat> um, and then small cysts, less than three centimeters, are seen in about 20% of postmenopausal women. Um, blah, blah, blah. Blah blah blah. The maximum ovarian volume in postmenopausal volume is six mils. Yeah, fine. Um, it says here cyst in a postmenopausal woman. WTF do I do now? Um, if the cyst is simple, regardless of age, it's almost certainly benign. Yeah. Uh, having said that, the rule is greater than one centimeter gets yearly follow up. Less than five centimeters. Which is still likely benign gets three to six month follow up, mm-hmm. and greater than seven centimeters gets either an MRI or straight to surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we know our like suspicious features on ultrasound. We've spoken about these before for ovaries. For iota ovaries, iota rules, the yeah. IOTA rules. So you're like papillary projections and Ceptations. nodules and septations and things. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We can look that up later. Uh, very nice happy yeah that was really good thank you so it says here the big six i'm assuming that's ovarian cysts things on the ovary yeah <laughs> we're going to talk about things that can be in ovaries uh in most clinical practice the overwhelming majority of ovarian masses are benign and do you have any ideas of what they might be and the name of the big six is that what i asked? yeah um, endothelioma. Have I said that wrong? Mm. Endo- endo- What's the condition? Endometriosis. Endometrioma. Lovely. <laughs> what did I say? Endothelioma, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Endometrioma. Yeah. Um like a dominant follicular cyst. Lovely. Um what comes after that? Corpus luteum. Lovely. Um PCOS. Lovely. Uh, There's one two. more. Think about when you have the follicle. Yeah. We then said something else happens, and then you get the corpus luteum. The, the band around it. No, there was another name. And corpus and before luteum. Yeah, yeah. No, the aldecans one. No, the. can So the process is that as you ovulate, yeah. you bleed a little bit. Oh yeah, hemorrhagic. Cyst. So you can get hemorrhagic. It's lovely. And then... And then there's one final one. Um I wouldn't expect you to remember this, a benign, cystic teratoma. Oh, or yeah. I think Dermoid. Dermoid. Derm- I'm gonna remember. Dermoid, dermoid right? Because yeah. people seem to not use the word teratoma. Yeah. And I have spent ages being like a dermoid sounds an awful lot like a teratoma. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I realised the they are abuse. the same thing. It, I had that yeah. saying dermoid, and then I came out and I <laughs> okay. uh fine so just to remind you those six are so physiological and like functioning follicles yeah. then i find it easy to remember then you get hemorrhagic cysts yeah and then I you can get corpus it. lutea and then they're like slightly more pathological ones are you can get an endometrioma polycystic ov- ovaries like the cysts from polycystic ovaries and benign cystic dermoids slash teratomas happy tell me about functioning ovarian cysts um so like you're going to see one that's like dominant uh-huh. um, and it's just going to be la- a large cyst yeah um, what you going to do about it nothing oh well if you're worried if it's very large you really scan in six weeks lovely yeah um, what happens if, if it's still where there you are in your cycle, if it's still there in six weeks and it's exactly the same it's then called something or it then gets like a slightly different mm-hmm. classification okay so it's non-functioning, a ah. non-functioning cyst, because it's not under hormonal control. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's still not bad, it's, it's fine. No. Okay. Tell me about a cyst that's bigger than seven centimetres. Oh, in a post-menopausal woman? No, no. Uh, in any woman? A cyst that's bigger than seven centimetres. Why would a functional ovarian cyst, or just a simple ovarian cyst, why would it be worrying? Oh. oh. Um, if it's, gonna be related. No. Oh. Uh, what can it do just by a feature of its size? Oh, but, um. No. Oh, no, no. oh taut. Taut, exactly. Yeah. So a cyst that's bigger than seven centimetres, you need to further evaluate it. Either you either need to do an MR to yeah. see how big it actually is, because yeah. the ultrasound can't, like, actually see that yeah. deep, or you need a surgeon to take it out because it the risk of torsion. Oh, okay. Yeah. I okay. Uh, tell me about a corpus luteum cyst. A corpus luteum cyst, well we've already mentioned, has a ring of fire on MRI. So that's a normal corpus luteum, but yeah. this is a corpus luteum cyst. Oh, thank you. No, no, I, they do have a ring of fire, but just oh, yeah. to, in your mind. So these are bigger. They can be yeah. like five to six centimeters, five. and they still have the ring of fire. But... Okay. Um, corpus luteum. Cyst. What do they look like? Um, well, it's cystic appearance but this ring of fire. Yeah. yeah, they've got a variable appearance they can be solid, they can be um, anechoic, hypoechoic, thin walled, thick walled okay. they can have debris in them but the most common appearance is solid hypoechoic with a ring of fire okay. very nice um, and then this is where I've got my differences between corpus luteum and ectopics yeah. we covered it quite eloquently but tell me again um, So um, you want to Differentiate them because they look quite similar. Mm. And the I'm really confused because you see, I didn't realise <laughs> they were all cysts necessarily. But yeah, yeah. well, they're not really cysts. like cystic. Thing. Y- yeah. Okay. okay like l- lumps in the ovary. Yeah. Okay, fine, sorry. Um. So because like an endometrium is not fluid filled, is it? Yeah. It's full of like blood products yeah. and crap. Okay. Fine. Um. So to differentiate, it, I mean, I find the most straightforward thing that they say is to see whether it's moving with the ovary or separate to the yeah. ovary You can then do RIs when you say moving with the ovary or separate to the ovary with your probe. sure where is the topic? pregnancy is going to most likely be in the fallopian lovely be. thank it you can be in the ovary but that's right sure sure um, and then for the RIs mm-hmm. the values are 0.4 and 0.7 yeah and I think for corpus it's outside of those inside think about corpus. what would be normal like, when we do yeah. RIs, yeah. between 0. 0.4 and 0. 0.7 Normal. is more so reasonable, be... whereas, like, the extremes are going to be weird. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, causation within those values, Yeah. out of those values, yeah. and then there's two more things. Is that right? Uh, it was only really one. Oh, okay. One more thing. I can't remember. Um, so, this is... The uh, ring around an ectopic yeah. is usually more echogenic, right, yeah. which makes sense to me because it's like more inflamed, oh, right? It takes like you to your, eat exactly, like it's yeah. it's real crapo and like. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So yes, there's are the differences in the the four differences are the RIs, then the thick or thin echogenic rim. Yeah. The ring of fire is both. That's not a difference. It's just a feature. And then the third is whether it's in the ovary or outside. So whether you can move yeah. it with or with or separate to the ovary. Very nice. That is our first two. And then I'm going to move past that one. And let's talk about hemorrhagic cysts. Okay. That feels like to me the order. Uh, yeah, yeah like that. feels better so tell me about a hemorrhagic cyst. Well it's bled into the cyst so it's yeah. not going to be as like clear yeah thing. yeah um, and I think is this the one that has the fish yeah. Net appearance yeah. yeah which is because it's like there's more going on so classically an ultrasound is described as having a fishnet appearance but that's sort of all I've got for you. Yeah <laughs> no, that's perfect so Hemorrhagic cysts. Sometimes a ruptured follicle bleeds internally and then re-expands. The result is a homogenous mass with enhanced through transmission. Tumours don't do that. That's important. Can you just with through transmission, they're talking about ultrasound. Yeah. And and it's that you can see things clearly behind. Um, No, it's that you get that echo bright rather than a shadow. You echo. get a, like, high echo right. beam almost. Yeah. Behind. Behind. Yeah. And it's because what? The physics. It's so because it's the ultrasound machine. An acoustic it's a enhancement. Exactly. Is yeah. yeah. And do you remember why in physics that happens? Yeah. It's because the ultrasound is expecting. The ultrasound machine is cancelling out. So the contents are much less dense than it's anticipating so it's compensating i can't remember it doesn't matter okay. <laughs> i'll look that up similar they also can get it yeah, yeah but don't, do cysts have enhancement? they can do yeah cysts can have acoustic enhancement that's how you can prove that yeah, they're cysts fine, fine. uh so sorry we got distracted so hemorrhagic cysts they've got enhanced through transmission yeah. but tumor doesn't do that they look very similar to an endometrioma, so it always have those two in your differential. Yeah. Um, but this one classically has the lacy fishnet appearance. Um, Doppler flow? Would it have Doppler flow? No, it doesn't have any Doppler flow because it's just bled into it. It's not there's no vessels going in there. Um, the traditional way to tell the difference between a hemorrhagic cyst and an endometrioma is that the hemorrhagic cyst will go away. In um, one to two menstrual cycles, so yeah. repeat in six to 12 weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas an endometrioma obviously won't. Uh, okay, so let's talk about endometriomas then. Okay. And endometriomas, they're the ones that rather than being described in fishnet codes, I think they just have like low level echoes. Yes, really That's nice. Did you? Yeah. Very nice. In an ovary. Yeah. Smashed it. I so tell I me. didn't. Oh. Someone the the Oh, lot. fine. No, no, no. no. Um, tell me about an endometrioma. Um, what time are we on? Sorry, I've been talking for ages. It was like 23, so we're probably like 25 now. Oh, God. Well, maybe let's stop halfway through our yeah, ovarian cysts. One. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, endometriomas. Well, that's all I had, the low level echoes. Okay, fine. So, what is endometriosis? Endometriosis is um, endometrial tissue that's elsewhere other than endo- endometrium. Classic clinical history uh dysmenorrhea dyspareunia and one more thing yeah it it's the thing that really upsets infinity? yeah exactly um and then you get like you can also get the chronic pelvic pain as the sort of subsequent yeah. sequelae of that um buzzword classic appearance is a rounded mass with homogenous low level internal echoes and increased through transmission. So it also has increased through transmission. Yeah. Okay, that's how fluid fluid levels and internal septations can also be seen. Mm-hmm. Can look a lot like a hemorrhagic cyst. Mm-hmm. As a general rule, the more unusual or varied the echogenicity, and the more ovoid or irregular the shape, the more likely the mass is an endometrioma. So the more ovoid, or what was the other thing? The more irregular. And the more, we- the weirder it looks. Avoid, they mean, like, rather than round, a bit longer. Yeah, they just it's mean, like, rather than being a, a, a follicle that's got some blood in it, yeah. it's like a weird lump of endometrial Gosh. tissue. It makes sense that yeah. it would look weirder. Yeah. Um, we said about follow-up, endometrial won't change, hemorrhagic cysts will. Um, in this, In about 30% of cases... endometrioma you can get a small echogenic foci adhering to the wall now obviously we know that a like wall nodule can be a sign of malignancy Mm -hmm. in a cyst Mm -hmm. so that is quite concerning Mm -hmm. um but they don't seem to address that they do somewhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i remember reading that thinking like yeah yeah it does um the complications of endometriosis, so like bowel obstruction and fertility, etc., are due to this fibrotic reaction associated with the can happen as well. exactly. Um, the most common location for solid endometriosis. Oh, uh, in the remainder of the uterine wall. Yeah. The uterosacral ligaments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do endometrium has ever become cancer? Yes. <laughs> Tell me. How many? 1%. 1%? <laughs> 1% of of is undergo malignant transformation. What can they become? Oh, the, the, so this is where something else becomes something else, isn't it? Dermoids do something else. So one of them does clear cell, one of them does squamous. And I think clear cell. Yeah. So endometriomas undergo malignant transformation, usually endometrioid, but they can be clear cell carcinoma um How do you tell which is which? Malignancy is very rare, and endometrium is smaller than six centimeters. Okay. Yeah. How much time have we got? Sorry. No, 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 just a second. They usually One have to. Ah, okay. Let's stop, and we'll come back to endometrium. As kind regards. Endometrium is continued. Endometrium is continued. So sorry. Uh, la, 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 la. <laughs> Um, How do you tell which endometrioma is going to become cancerous, is what we're talking about? Yes. So, malignancy, very rare if it's smaller than six centimetres. They Mm. usually have to be bigger than nine centimetres. Additionally, the majority of women with a carcinoma in an endometrioma are older than 45 years old. So, risk factors older than 45 and bigger than sort of six to nine centimetres. What is the most sensitive imaging feature on MRI for the diagnosis of malignancy in an endometrioma? Is it something like logical enhancement? Yeah. Oh, it's an enhancing mural nodule. Oh yes,. Yeah. Um, pregnancy. What can happen? The enhancing mural nodule tells you that there's badness. Is that what we are saying? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Pregnancy. Oh, I got you back. No, that's okay. Pregnancy. Oh, Tell me pregnant. about endometriomas. Endometriomas in pregnancy. Make them get bigger. What's going to happen? There's a word for them. Oh. Decidualized endometrioma. Um, so decidualization. I've actually spent quite a long time trying to work out what this word means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and deciduous is like a tree that sheds. Isn't just trees. Yeah, yeah. but um, deciduous seems to also be very specific for the endometrial tissue Okay. Uh, you can get decidualized things like just as pregnancy starts and I think it's something to do with as those like pregnancy when you're getting that implantation mm-hmm. bit and that very early pregnancy yeah. you've got this like pumped up endometrium that's I ready to shed like yeah it's like all these There's trees all sticking castings. out yeah exactly yeah. And it's sticking there and it's like ready to shed, but it's not shedding. Yeah. And that's called a decidualized endometrium, I think. And then so you can get a decidualized endometrioma, which okay, makes sense. Um, okay. And that is a solid nodule with blood flow in an endometrioma of a pregnant girl. That's the okay. nodule in the endometrioma. And that one isn't badness. No, that's not badness. It's just- so it says here, obviously, this is still going to get followed up because mm-hmm. it's a mimic of malignancy. Yeah. Um, but if you see a pregnant person yeah. and they've got the solid nodule with blood flow, then that's probably a decidualized endometrioma well, that no, does no. need follow-up. If they are not pregnant and they have a solid nodule with blood flow, that is malignant. It's called that malignant it. degeneration of the endometrioma. Yeah. Great. Period. No hesitation. Next question, it says here. <laughs> Uh, what does an endometrium look like on MRI? Oh. You can work this out. Tell me about T1 and T2. Can I work it out? So, what, yeah. so it's endometroid tissue. So then... Mm, think about... So it's not, is it going to be like the endometrium or not? No. Think about what the endometrium does. Sheds. It, like bleeds, right? So fluidy? What sort of fluid? Uh, bloody fluid. Yes. So... Tell me. T1... Tell me about fat boys mainly preferring chips. No, T1 not going to be T1 not bright then. Tell me about fat boys mainly preferring chips. Is that T1? T1 fat boys mainly prefer chips. Yeah. And then T2. Too fat. Yeah. T2 definitely clearly things are bright. Blood. Blood is not. Tell me about blood on T1. It's going to be bright. It's going to be bright. Thank you. I mean, obviously, it changes with time, so I always get confused by this. But for the purpose of this, yeah. it's bright. Okay. And then T2 dark. is dark. Y. Because it's flat. Because okay. you've got iron. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then why would you do a fat sat sequence? To differentiate it from a dermoid? Yes. Lovely. Um, so it won't suppress the signal on fat. No so it, it will still fat. be bright on yeah. fat sat yeah yeah happy yeah um so endometrioma on mri t1 bright because of the blood fat sat will not suppress so it will have high signal not a dermoid t2 is dark because of the iron from the endometrioma this is a shading sign and that's apparently a buzzword okay. and all that means is that on t1 it's bright and t2 is dark apparently that's it's shaded so weird. it's weird isn't it i don't like that um, very nice. Tell me about our other things, our other things we in the, the ovaries. Yeah, we can do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tell me. When do they normally occur? What age what group? Age? Oh, oh. Mm. Typically Fair occur time. in young women, 20 and 30s. Yeah. Mm. Fertile years. Okay. Gross. Isn't that the same as like molds and stuff? Isn't that those years as well? Uh, do you mean like hydatidiform? form yeah. they, that's to do with pregnancy so i think it has to be i know oh yeah <laughs> but yeah i like your thought process so young women yeah yeah uh it's the most common ovarian neoplasm in patients younger than 20 okay that's really good um what's a classic buzzword that dermoids look like on ultrasound <laughs> <Swirling>. <laughs> Point. it's the tip of the iceberg oh, yes, I, <laughs> <heard that. laughs> yeah, I was going to try and like stick my bum above the table and be like it's the tip of the iceberg i thought that would be too involved um so the tip of the iceberg yeah. sign is a classic buzzword and refers to absorption of most of the ultrasound beam at the top, top. of the mass. The typical ultrasound appearance is that of a cystic mass with hyperechoic solid mural nodule. Hyper echoic. Hyper. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Um, what might that nodule be called? It's got an eponymous name. The hyper echoic nodule in the dermoid. Mm. Could be called a Rocketansky nodule oh. or a dermoid plug. I've definitely heard Rokotansky. Well, where have you heard Rocketansky? Oh, sure. You have heard that in Maya oh. Crumple. How do you remember it? Because I was listening to it on the way here, oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to tell her about that later. I mustn't forget it." But now I have forgotten it. Maya Rokotansky Hubert, yeah. someone, crackpot. Hang on, let me find it quickly because otherwise it's going to annoy me. What am I going (laughs) to do? I'm Ah, where is it? Maya Rokotansky-Kusterhauser. And what's that? Malarian agenesis. It's got three features. Vaginal atresia. Oh, yes! Absent or rudimentary uterus. And normal ovaries. The key piece of trivia is that the kidneys have issues. Agenesis or ectopia in about half the cases. Sorry. Yeah. We've discussed that yeah, before, no, but so sorry, a Rokotansky nodule. Let me get back to it. I'm looking at um trying to find the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> um so tell me again what the typical appearances of a dermoid on ultrasound are. The tip of the iceberg. Thank you. you can have a hyperacroic nodule, which is sometimes called a rotosinski cyst. <laughs> I feel like you weren't listening. <laughs> Is that alright? No. What? So tip okay. of the iceberg sign. Yeah. You get a cystic mass. Yeah. With that a hyper echoic cyst nodule. Solid mural nodule. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's called rotosansky Rokotansky nodule. Oh nodule. Or the dermoid plug. Yeah. Can you see septations in these or no? Uh, what are these, dermoids? Yeah. Have we spoken about this? No. Oh, I was say, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like they are complex. I'd say, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Acceptations are seen in about 10%. Okay, so not okay. common. What does a dermoid look like on MRI? Tell me about T1, fat oh, yes. sat, and okay. T2. So fat sat. And what's your main differential? They have fatty stuff in them, so it's going to saturate out. Yeah, so it's going to be dark or fat sat. Uh, T1, fat boys mainly prefer chips, right? Bright, right? <laughs> T2, bright as well, yeah, because they're different. That's yeah. the only way I knew, lovely. Um, but you were going to ask me what we confuse them with, what well, yeah. What are you, sat. what's your differential? What... Well, we've said endometrium, lovely, okay, thank fine. you. Yeah. But you look at the fat sat, and that might help you decide uh-huh. exactly. Um got a question for you do dermoids ever become cancer yes how many quite a lot isn't it no very little a percentage one one so one percent of endometriomas became cancerous and one percent of dermoids can undergo malignant transformation also what do they go to you told me this one oh dermoids go to uh squamous lovely um tell me about risk factors um, sorry, I'm just looking at the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's rubbish. Yeah, it's rubbish. But if you compare to that, that's anything. Anyway, <laughs> rubbish. I mean, it just means you can't see anything. It's yeah, like yeah. if you look at a bone on an ultrasound, it's the tip of the iceberg. Anyway, sorry. Um, what did you ask me? I asked you about risk factors for dermoids undergoing malignant transformation. Oh, okay. Um, Tell me what the risk factors for an endometrioma yeah. undergoing malignant transformation were. Job yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> not what you see but what no. the person has yeah so we said if their size oh yes uh, oh. <laughs> so we said six to nine centimeters is, like yeah. normally above nine centimeters but above six you're a bit worried Yeah. and then their age if they're older oh, than 45 okay. Fine. so we're Dermon dermoids older, older so it says here say, usually older than fifty. I think we can remember those both the same. I don't think yeah. forty-five and fifty is really that different. And then size larger than about ten centimeters. Okay. A dermoid you'd be. You see, I thought you meant risk factors in like smoking. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, darling. Horrid questions. And then finally, we're on our sick. Tell me about what was our sick. What were we what we're missing. So We've spoken about corpus luteum. We've spoken about dominant follicular dermoid, and hemorrhagic. Yeah tell me oh PCOS, yeah, yeah. Pearls appearance. thank you darling so who typically who who oh, walks he's in horrible. i know it's horrid i was like it's me <laughs> <laughs> this i was reading this this morning that. and i was like i need to ring the gp because i probably need to be tested <laughs> and yeah. i actually rang and they were like oh ring back after 12 <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> how embarrassing i'm um, gonna go and get a scan, i'm sure no my functional hypothyroidism, I must have PCOS. You, you want hypothyroidism. <laughs> yeah, I have hypothyroidism, it's just my thyroid function disagrees. Um, <laughs> so tell me, typically... Typically, um, all I can remember is a moustache. <laughs> 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 yeah, so it's over, someone overweight, who's got infertility issues, they've got acne and they've got hirsutism, a moustache. Um, imaging criteria? Um. Well, actually, it's now more than 20. Okay, okay. perfect. Simple peripheral cysts yeah um usually characteristic string of pearls as yes. you said and the ovaries are typically enlarged greater than 10 mils oh, okay. although in 30 percent the patients they have normal we're done stop stop them patients uh, they have normal volume ovaries right. so that's yeah. not like a diagnostic okay. yeah Kind okay. regards goodbye.